Okay, so thanks very much for inviting me to come along and talk today about our experience in Birmingham. Possibly a different perspective at a very local level in terms of how we've been trying to use SUMPS in order to deliver on some of our key objectives within a large city uh, here in the UK. Uh, just a bit of background about where we've been involved in SUMPS. As uh, mentioned by Mark, our uh, political leader, Sir Albert Ball, very interested in transport and he keeps me very busy. As a rapporteur uh, with the Committee of the Regions, um, I've been supporting him uh, at meetings with Brussels and with others in, in terms of putting together his opinions, which have been accepted by the Committee of the Regions and presented to the EU Commission uh, in, in terms of uh, how they would like to help shape and influence uh, policy that comes out of uh, Brussels as well. Um, obviously, the biggest uh, draw for a lot of authorities in terms of uh, Birmingham, uh, mobility plans is actually the fact that it gives you opportunities to access funding and I think that's one of the big things where cities do need help in, in terms of how they influence how they develop urban mobility and how they deal with the issues that are presented to them is how do you actually fund some of those infrastructure projects uh, and, and I'll go through that as I go through the presentation in terms of some of the politics where the money comes and, and a little bit about the devolution of some of the responsibilities that central government here in the UK is now giving to uh, local authorities and through local enterprise partnerships as well. Uh, so I'll, I'll cover those off as I go through there. Um, in, in terms of uh, what I'm going to do is just look at what the context is. I'll just run through some slides in terms of Birmingham, its makeup, its geography, its demographics and so on, uh, and the reasons why we needed to change. Um, I will go through in a little bit more detail the sump process uh, so that you understand where we were coming from. Um, and we also, uh, because Sir Albert likes his uh, European frameworks for delivering on his policies, we produced a green paper. We've done lots and lots of consultation with lots of people about all the different elements uh, and then that's, that led to uh, a white paper which we launched uh, last November with the Secretary of State. Very uh, uh, good that we've got those connections as well that we can get some of the uh, UK politicians, transport uh, minister to come and do, do that launch with us in Birmingham. So just in terms of the population, we, we have about 1.1 million in Birmingham City. It's a large authority. As a single authority, it's probably the largest authority in Europe. Um, if you then look at the wider region in the West Midlands, it's over 2.5 million people who live in our conurbation. And a lot of uh, those people actually do travel into Birmingham as well for their em employment. So there is a reliance on the economics of, of Birmingham and having good connectivity in order to support uh, that job growth as well. Um, we've predicted uh, a population growth uh, by, uh, of an extra 150,000 and that brings with it its own challenges in terms of things like how you provide education, where you're going to put your new schools for those locations, where uh, we've got a target of somewhere in the region of 80,000 new houses or dwellings in Birmingham as well. How are we going to fit that into a very urban and, and dense uh, area uh, and how do we work with our neighbouring authorities in order to try and support that as well? Um, and we were also predicting that we'll have 80,000 more cars in our city uh, with 200,000 more daily trips a day uh, with vehicles. So uh, congestion is, is sort of estimated to grow by 85% by 2035, uh, which obviously causes us some concerns for all the reasons. It's not just about mobility. It's how do you tackle air quality issues? How do you deal with road safety where you've got an increase in the volume of traffic on your roads? Uh, and how do you uh, provide that better sustainable method of moving people around? We also have some issues around um, 
levels of deprivation uh, and accessibility as well. That we, We've got a, a third of our households in Birmingham don't have access to a car, can't afford a car, so they're very reliant on public transport. Uh, and how do we make sure that we're making the, giving those people opportunities uh, to access employment, training, uh, skills development and so on? We also have a problem, particularly in our young, uh, of obesity uh, and, and poor health, uh, which is can be again supported in, in terms of looking at forms of active travel and I'll go through a little bit in terms of what we're doing around that as well. Uh, we do have uh, about 400 accidents a year um, in terms of uh, killed or seriously injured, lots more accidents uh, on top of that as well, uh, which all adds to uh, some of the issues that we face and, and also the economics and the cost around all of those accidents and how can we use our transport uh, to try and sort of assist in reducing those as well. And Mark's already mentioned uh, the issues around uh, reducing our carbon emissions and our carbon footprint uh, uh, and, and transport obviously is a key contributor to that as well. So in, in terms of Birmingham, um, we've got an economic output of 20.9 billion. That's just in Birmingham. Obviously, the region's much larger than that. Um, we've got a, a, a good proportion of people who are receiving workless benefit as well. So again, we're, we're trying to tackle those issues where we're, we've got an economic growth plan and we need to make sure that the people who uh, live in the city are actually able to access those opportunities for jobs. There's been a lot of uh, stories in the press recently uh, of people migrating from London to the other cities within the UK because of the affordability of housing um, and the opportunities that are being uh, provided through the different employment as some of those cities are starting to grow, some of the other key sectors as well. So we want to make sure that the residents who currently don't have access to employment do uh, and also deal with uh, the, the people who are migrating to, to cities. Um, and Birmingham is, is top of the list in terms of where people are choosing to locate to. Um, in terms of the indices of multiple deprivation, I mean, you, you, you won't be able to see the detail. I'm assuming these slides will be sort of distributed amongst you as part of that. We've got some key areas in, in Birmingham that, you know, we've got really high levels of that. So we, we've got to make sure that those communities uh, are accessing this. That just goes back to the point I was making there. It just demonstrates the challenge that we have in terms of providing that. This, this slide has got the sort of key transport corridors on there as well. Uh, so you can have a look at that when you get, get to there. We, we've got a number of key local centres. We've got the city centre, uh, which is changing rapidly at the moment in, in terms of the, the stuff that's going on there. We've got a sub-regional centre within Sutton Coalfield, the, the former borough of Sutton Coalfield, which was absorbed into Birmingham uh, in the 70s. And then we've got 17 district centres, areas of uh, economic activity as well. Um, and we've also got a number of... Uh, growth zones. So obviously as a city council we have not just transport policies, not just housing policies, not just education policies. We also need to consider what our economic policies are as well. And we've identified key areas uh, within Birmingham where we're looking to, to grow um, uh, the job opportunities uh, and so on. So th this part of the city here is Longbridge. Some of you may remember the uh, uh, Rover plant that was there, the car factory that was there, uh, which over 15 years ago sort of crashed and, and so on. That area has been redeveloped. Um, there's a lot of housing going in there, mixed-use development. Uh, we've got a new educational facility there, the Bourneville Technical College. It's right next door to a train station, next to the M5 motorway and so on. So we're seeing a lot of activity now in regeneration of, of uh, Longbridge. 
Selly Oak is where our uh, Birmingham University is. We also have the University Hospital and the uh, much improved QE Hospital, Queen Elizabeth Hospital as well. And uh, there are a number of areas that we're looking at in terms of regeneration, some, some land and development that's starting now in terms of putting new life sciences here, so making those connections with those industries, those educational units uh, and so on that are already there. And we need to plan for transport for there, and again, we need to plan for accessibility for our communities within Birmingham to be able to, to uh, take up those opportunities as well. The city centre here is, is by far the biggest growth area. Um, and obviously we, we've uh, got an enterprise zone in the city centre as well, which is a collection of 26 sites uh, that we're regenerating. Um, and the big site uh, right in the city centre has started work this month uh, and causing uh, some changes to our transport networks as well. But it's also providing opportunities for changing those transport networks. So where it's dominated by the car with the A38, a uh, tunnel that goes underneath it and, and the uh, main roads that are running into the city centre. We're now seeing uh, space created for additional metro routes and we've got funding to do that as well, as well as changes to the bus uh, network uh, and also um, uh, changes to uh, some, uh, our bus rapid transit network, which we're starting to introduce as well with our colleagues. And then we've got other areas, Aston, uh, Riz and, uh, uh, regional investment sites and other areas up there as well. So we're trying to plan for not just the city centre, which is the big draw, but also for other areas around the city and the, and the transport networks to support that as well. If we do look at the city centre in, in terms of uh, accessibility, this is uh, for journeys into the city centre from people who just live in Birmingham. That this is a 30-minute uh, you know, uh, sort of journey time into them. You can see that there's parts of our city that uh, are outside that sort of 30 minute sort of sweet spot where people are quite willing to travel further distances. 30, 40 minutes is what most people are willing to do. And on public transport, that, that's the, the situation that we we're trying to improve that so we can move people and, and goods around more efficiently as well. We do have uh, a good rail and light rail network, heavy rail and light rail. We've already seen uh, connections on our tram system uh, through from Wolverhampton into Birmingham, which has uh, picked up some new corridors and we've got uh, quite high levels of patronage on that. And through other investments that we've had through, um, uh, through government funding and also through the uh, local enterprise partnership funding, uh, as has been developed, we've got extensions now taking that connection through to New Street Station as well. So it, it, it does allow us to sort of look at broader connectivity and how we can move people on different multimodal uh, uh, systems to that. And then since then, we've done through the uh, local growth fund deal, we've had additional funding for the light rail for additional routes as well. Um, the, the, the network, the rail network obviously is not as comprehensive as what you see in London in terms of the underground network and there are difficulties, technical difficulties in how you introduce that and we have to maximise our rail networks to make sure that we can get as many people to the stations, so how do you connect the stations to the local communities, looking at those real local issues and not just by car, not just by bus but through walking and cycling opportunities as well. Uh, and the network, the rail network in, in Birmingham, it, it is well served at the heart in terms of the West Coast Main Line with New Street Station. And then we have other regional lines as well that come into other stations, Moore Street uh, and Snow Hill. Um, these are our existing cycle routes. And you can see that there are 
a number, some of them fairly fragmented in terms of the provision that's provided there. And as I said earlier, we're looking to see how we can increase uh, cycling within Birmingham. Uh, a bit of a culture shift because Birmingham was built on the car and the car is the uh, top mode of choice at the moment. And we're trying to educate uh, that sort of that hearts and minds campaign as to how we encourage further cycling, particularly for short journeys. And that sort of follows on from the work that the Department for Transport are doing about how short journeys... Uh, by cycle or by walking can actually remove cars off the road, creating some capacity for additional movements um, and uh, freight movements as well as people as well. So we've got big plans and we're delivering a lot on that, which uh, I'll show you in a bit, a slide of stuff that we've been doing. Uh, The strategic road network in in Birmingham is, is fairly interesting. We've got a motorway box that surrounds us, so we've got the M5, the M6, the M42... Um, very heavily congested uh, in, in terms of uh, traffic that goes through there. Um, we also have the M6 toll that goes across the north of the city, uh, which perhaps isn't used as well as it should be uh, because you have to pay to use it. Uh, and people seem to be more prepared to sit on the M6 and uh, wait in a traffic queue than be able to use the fast route for the M6 toll for those people who are going through rather than coming into Birmingham. So uh, obviously the Highways Agency are responsible uh, uh, for, for, for looking after that and they've been introducing smart motorway networks sort of using hard shoulders, running lanes during peak periods controlling traffic speeds to make it safer and actually keep the traffic moving as well uh, and that's helping us with some of the mobility in our area and, and certainly in terms of developing our sumps you know, that's a key consideration for us is how we work with other people who are actually party to implementing some of the changes that we need to see so the need for action, I think, in terms of how I've explained, connecting communities, creating opportunities where we can uh, change people's lives by giving them access to employment, how we can make people more active, how we can sort of deal with what we see as a, as a growing city uh, and how we can do that through our transport uh, choices uh, as well. But Birmingham, as well as looking at transport, is also looking at its uh, smart commission in terms of how it's using new technologies and smart, smart theories for introducing stuff, as well as uh, our uh, Green Commission looking at how we can do things in the most sustainable way, using resources efficiently, uh, and, and so on. So the transport fits into, into those categories, and obviously we work very closely with our colleagues at the City Council in terms of how we can drive some of their key objectives through delivering on uh, some of our transport stuff as well. So we've definitely uh, included all of this sort of broader thinking in developing up sustainable urban mobility plans, and that's what the framework for SUMPS actually allows us to do. It allows us to draw all of these uh, key areas into looking at how you deliver transport. So in in terms of what we're trying to do for mobility, our our core objective is about creating an efficient Birmingham. How do we facilitate that growth, uh, those ambitions that I've talked about, and how do we strengthen the economy and, and boost the, the jobs and the opportunities that we can create for a growing population as well? We want to make it an equitable, equitable Birmingham. We want to facilitate more uh, transport choices through public transport. People who have no access to a car uh, can still move around and still create those opportunities as well. Uh, and sustainable Birmingham, for obvious reasons, we need to address 
uh, the air quality issues, we need to address people's health and we need to use resources in the most efficient way. And then obviously the attractive Birmingham. You know, Birmingham is a place that you can come to. We're seeing it already. People are moving in, migrating from other cities. Uh, and we want to sort of go anywhere transport system that makes it attractive for you to live uh, and, and work in, in that region because you can move around easily. You've seen this slide already. And this is the process that we followed uh, in, in terms of developing up our sustainable urban mobility plan. Uh, we're, we're now in the implementation stage, so that says we launched our white paper in November last year, um, and we've done a lot of key consultation with all sorts of different stakeholders uh, as part of this process. Uh, and it was quite detailed in terms of, first of all, we had to sort of define what it was we wanted to address, uh, look at what our existing transport uh, was, uh, what plans we'd already got in place, um, and uh, build on those to develop up the uh, mobility plan. We also needed to look at our, the region that we sit within. Birmingham is a large city with lots of other, uh, other cities and towns around us, uh, and we support a good proportion of uh, employment uh, uh, across that region as well. Uh, and then we obviously had to go through the stakeholder engagement uh, and so on, uh, and then work out what our key themes were going to be, what our aspirations, it's a 20-year plan, so some of it's very short-term, some of it medium-term, some of it longer-term, and what we're trying to achieve. And paying attention to all of those uh, planning policies, uh, you know, the sort of spatial planning elements where housing and everything's going to be as part of the Birmingham Development Plan or the core strategies that each of the authorities are also producing as well. And this is where... This is my favourite uh, slide in terms of uh, <laughs> the sub-process and how it differs to traditional transport planning. I'm not a transport planner by, by trade. My history with Birmingham City Council has been to support development um, and in doing that, changing transport networks to allow that to happen as well. I have transport planners that work for me. Um, and obviously, in, in the years that I've been there, we've worked with the likes of Centro, who are our passenger transport executive, to look at developing local transport plans, which I suppose for us in the UK was the precursor to SUMPS uh, and some of the good practice that went on in local transport plans um, has, has sort of evolved in time and, and been fed into the SUMP process as that's been developed as well. Local transport plans were a statutory requirement, uh, no longer are. Um, and local transport plan version 4, which is where most of the PTs are now, is a voluntary process. So we've, we've used this opportunity in Birmingham to go through and develop the SUMP process because it gives us that broader thinking about all of the other objectives that we're trying to do as a large city. So under the traditional transport planning, it was about focusing on traffic. I don't want to focus on traffic. I want to look at what the options are for, for cycling, for pedestrians. Uh, part of my career in Birmingham although it's an urban city, was to look after public rights of way. And that, that was an interesting job in itself, uh, looking, looking after sort of very urban footpaths where there were perceived problems around that as well. Um, we do want to um, look at how we can focus on people. The, the important thing, and, and the thing that, that is in Birmingham, is that us, us as officers of a large authority are here to improve people's lives. And if we can do that as part of our day-to-day -job, day job, then we've succeeded. So if I can improve the transport network in Birmingham, that allows somebody who's currently unemployed to access skill training, uh, education training, and then move into employment, then I've changed somebody's life as part of that as well. And that, that's, that's, that's key for us. 
Uh, and obviously, if you get people into employment and you uh, increase that, then you're changing um, sort of people's quality of life. And also, we're trying to make them healthy by giving them those uh, more active travel uh, means as well. This comes out of the SUMP guidance, the, the document that's on the Civitas uh, website, which is a really good document to go through because it, it's, it's very uh, good in the way it structures things. Um, and, and that's for me, that's one of the key things it's, it, it, in developing a SUMP is it actually is all about people. So I've already mentioned uh, that we launched a green paper first, which we did in November 2013. And this is where we'd drawn together all of what we thought we needed to do, the sort of the baseline review of what the transport networks were in Birmingham and how we needed to sort of look at how we changed those. And we used that uh, green paper to do quite extensive consultation, but also to deal with some various uh, key strategic things as well. So uh, the, there was consultation around freight and logistics, uh, again, which is something that we need to, you know, in order for a city to be productive, we need to make sure that freight and logistics is a key part of our transport network. Um, and again, in the most sustainable way. Um, and then we, we've also looked at those community things and improving connectivity. So th this was uh, the, the start of a huge discussion with lots of different stakeholders, businesses, local people, politicians, um, and um, uh, people who visit Birmingham as well, because Birmingham is becoming much more of a tourist destination with people from across, across the globe as well. And we did have quite a good feedback from this. Uh, and in the consultation, I know that, that Mark mentioned earlier about whether or not people think it's a key thing for central government to do as opposed to local government. Well, actually, we had 53% uh, of the population in Birmingham thought that we, Birmingham, needed to change something about our transport networks. Uh, so that, that was key to get that sort of consensus uh, around that as well. It also allowed us to talk to government about what we were trying to do. Uh, and, and whilst all, we're doing all and developing all of this work, there are changes that are happening across this country in terms of how money is devolved to cities. Uh, I've mentioned before the local enterprise partnerships are now getting uh, devolved funding to do infrastructure projects that support economic growth, housing, skills development and, uh, and so on. Um, and we were able to use some of the things that we were sort of producing out of this in order to influence how we got some of the share of that money in the Greater Birmingham and Solihull Local Enterprise Partnership. So not just purely Birmingham, but the sort of wider uh, regional stuff as well. So what, what we'd stated within uh, the launch that we did on the white paper, it was this, this usher a new area in creating a choice how we move people and goods, uh, how we deliver projects as well, that's quite important, and how we prioritise what those projects are, what makes the biggest difference in terms of people's lives, what do you need to do first uh, in order to understand. Some of that is just about getting the basics right as well. Um, and again, this go-anywhere transport system, that was accessible to all, so people with uh, different issues. We, we've developed a proposal which is about an integrated public transport network, which will cost about £1.2 now, we have to be ambitious. Uh, we have to demonstrate what that what that is going to buy uh, in in terms of transport. But this is a twenty year vision. So, you know these things don't happen overnight, and we need to uh, make sure that we're, we we have that sort of short, medium, and long term planning so that we can be consistent uh, in terms of dealing with how uh, the city is changing and how we're dealing with economic growth 
how we're dealing with uh, a, a bigger population and so on. Um, funding in terms of how we get funding in cities, majority of the funding comes from uh, central government in terms of allocations to major transport schemes. Uh, as I say, that's changed in terms of the local growth fund that's coming from the local enterprise partnership. Um, but if we added what we're getting currently uh, to what we need to do, there is a shortfall. And our political leader, Sir Albert, he wants to have that conversation with business, business in, in Birmingham, uh, which has an expectation that it will have a, a proper transport system that will service business and allow its business to grow. How are they actually going to contribute to that as well? So the likes of uh, community infrastructure levies on new developments, uh, how we use the enterprise zone, uh, and we are using the enterprise zone to build some of that infrastructure. I mentioned the metro, the light rail, uh, stuff that we're reducing in Birmingham. That, a good proportion of that money has come from uh, the enterprise zone uh, in order to do that, which is the business rates that uh, are predicted to come in. That allows us to borrow we build the infrastructure and then we pay, pay the borrowing back with the business rates as it starts to be generated. So different ways of doing that. So that, that conversation is, is now starting uh, with business. We also looked at some of the sort of other aspects. So the A38 I mentioned to you comes come off the M6, you come down the Aston Expressway. Has any of you been to Birmingham? Oh, just one hand at the back. Oh, no, a few more. So you're all admitting it now. <laughs> so as you, as, you come off, as you come off the motorway, you go, and it's probably unusual in terms of a city, uh, a road, uh, the A38 goes through the heart of the city centre, and that causes a, a level of severance between the city core, the city centre, the sort of business district, jewellery quarter, and it's sort of stopping the city from growing. So we've taken one part of um, our inner ring road, as it was called. It's not an inner ring road now, because we've taken part of it down. And that's allowed us to expand the city core. And that's where we've got HS2 uh, station at Curzon Street coming in as well. Uh, we need to look at the A38 as it goes through the city. And do we need to sink it so that we can allow the city to grow? We can create better urban realm. We can connect uh, and, and uh, make that city centre in the, in the long term, uh, more economic, uh, greater economic activity there as well. Uh, so that that's something that we wanted to start that conversation on. It is long term, uh, aspirational, but we need to really have that conversation, start those conversations now, so that we can identify. Well, is it the right thing to do? Is it going to make an impact economically? If it is, how are we going to pay for it? Where's that funding going to come from, uh, and so on? So we we need to give good thought to that. We've got the, the rail map I showed you earlier. We've got a number of constraints on that network in terms of uh, some of the outer stations can't take some of the longer trains, so we need to have uh, a, a look at that. Um, and also we've got uh, electrification proposals on uh, the Snow Hill line, uh, and we need to work out how we're doing that. So we have to have lots of conversations with the likes of DFT, uh, Network Rail, in, in terms of uh, uh, the, the rail and the highways agency, but also all of the operators as well, so the bus companies, London Midland, uh, Rail, uh, Virgin and, uh, and so on as to how we can sort of do that. Snow Hill Station is on, on the Snow Hill line. Uh, it's in the Colmore Business District, which is where we've got a, a, a good concentration of our businesses now. So that's where HS2 headquarters is now relocated to, is in Snow Hill. Uh, it's, con it's constrained in terms of... Uh, 
how it deals with passengers. We will have a problem there. They're not too distant future, just on safety grounds. Um, but we'd also like to see how we can... There's a car park that sits over the top. Uh, and we, we want to look at how we can take that out, because if we're going to have less cars, we don't really need that car park. Uh, and what opportunities does that create for development there as well? So we've got some aspirations around that, and we'll see more things emerging from our planning and regeneration team around how we can deliver on some of these things. HS2, obviously, is a big game-changer in Birmingham. I haven't gone into HS2 in too much detail here because there's just too much to talk about, and we're talking about subs today. <laughs> but certainly in terms of the wider connectivity, um, we've, we've got to look at how we can make sure that not just Birmingham is well connected to the opportunities that high-speed rail can give to that region, but, but also um, uh, the, the other surrounding areas, not just in the Midlands, uh, in the West Midlands, but also in the Midlands. And there's some high-level work going on uh, under the banner of Midland Connect that's doing that as well. Uh, we're also looking at low emission zones in the city centre. We're, we're fortunate in um, having some funding from the EU to do some trial work, just to look at number plate recognition, really, work out the age of vehicles, just to do some analysis about how compliant or not we are in the city centre, and what then that will help inform some of the policy as well. And then in those local centres that I mentioned earlier, we're, we're looking at establishing those uh, green travel districts uh, so that we can look at the best ways that people can travel there in the most sustainable way and the opportunities that those local centres give for you know, walking, cycling uh, and those other uh, cleaner modes as well. Again, uh, enabling that travel choice uh, and then providing opportunities for everyone with access to those transport options as well. Uh, obviously, we've done quite a bit of work in terms of looking at uh, opportunities for people with disabilities, uh, people who don't have access to cars, uh, and so on, is to making sure that, that we've got that equity in the, in the transport system. I've mentioned some of this already in terms of the existing committed investment, and we've got an awful lot of investment going on. I don't like to add up the numbers because it, it scares me that I'm responsible for a lot of this delivery. Uh, so I haven't put any figures on here, but... New Street, New Street Station, that's uh, one near completion towards the end of the year. And that regeneration of New Street Station was actually to deal with passenger numbers. We had a massive problem with people waiting on platforms, getting on and off the trains at New Street can be really difficult sometimes. The station at the moment is only a third open for those of you who've travelled through and thought, I thought this was going to be redeveloped, it's only a third open at the moment. Um, and that's also brought other economic opportunities because there's been a, a, a new shopping centre, Grand Central, that's been developed on top of that with the largest John Lewis uh, in the country as well. Uh, so we can see there's a lot of investment going into uh, Birmingham. Local Growth Fund, I've already mentioned, uh, there's over £350 million worth of infrastructure projects, majority of which are in Birmingham uh, because it's, it covers the Greater Birmingham Solihull Nep area as well. And then there's been other challenge funds that have been put out by DFT to sort of try and stimulate the economy. I think there's an election happening this year, so the current government wants to make sure that they look as though they're doing something in terms of uh, investing in infrastructure that supports economic growth. So we've got some uh, infrastructure projects on our ring road uh, in the Birmingham which will allow uh, better movements. Local sustainable transport funds, and I'm sorry I've used uh, acronyms here, so, look at that, and that's funding that's been given to us to look at cycling corridors uh, or improving uh, public transport uh, stations uh, and so on. And that's not just about um, 
the, the, the mode. It's also looking at facilities at stations for cycle parking and, and so on. So there's been quite a lot of investment there. Um, and then Birmingham is one of the eight cities that received a Cycle City Ambition grant, and that's um, £24 million worth of cycling infrastructure that we're putting into Birmingham. And it's not just about cycling, it's also about creating safer streets through 20-mile-an-hour zones that we've been incorporating, uh, and that uh, also addresses some of the accident issues. Uh, and it is more of a hearts and minds campaign uh, on the 20-mile-an-hours, is, is you know, educating people as to why we need that. Uh, and how it's supporting cycling on some of the parallel, quieter uh, streets in Birmingham. Ex ex tram extensions, sprint routes and so on, I've already explained. Major developments in Longbridge, I've mentioned earlier as well. So we still need to look at how we create that capital and that revenue money as well, in order to deliver on the further, the longer term aspirations. I've mentioned how we're sort of start, starting to talk to businesses um, but also influencing how we get access to some of the European funding uh, that's available to us uh, and what additional local powers and decision-making that we as a city can have. As I mentioned, there's, there's lots of discussions going on at the moment with the Core Cities Network in the UK about further devolution from the UK government, uh, obviously on the back of what's happened in Scotland. Um, and those, those, that Core Cities Cabinet, which, which meets, which Sir Albert also attends um, as the leader of, the, of Birmingham, is looking at how we can create more freedoms and flexibilities about policy and decision making so that we can make regional um, and local decisions about our transport networks and how money is spent in, in delivering on those. We, we as big cities or as regions, we know what it is that we need to do in, in order to stimulate the economy or to get better. Um, and and that's, that's where we are with that as well. So that, that's probably a change in the last... In the last 12, 24 months in, in terms of where that's going. <laughs> I didn't think I'd talk for that long, either, but there we are. The, the, the next set of slides are just really to give you an idea of some of the things that we've, we're sort of looking at. This is an area in Birmingham, so through in introducing uh, sprint routes, uh, bus rapid transit corridors, um, we can change the public realm, we can change the perception of an area, and we can start to sort of bring those areas up as well. You heard Mark mention it before. It's about a mass transit network. Now, in Birmingham, because of the constraints that we've got, uh, the inability to put in a, a sort of underground, you know, the cost constraints of doing an underground train system, is we're going to be reliant on bus networks and also uh, on bus rapid transit corridors as well. And they may morph into uh, more light rail on-road tra uh, tram routes. This concept of road space allocation, so looking at the corridor approach in terms of rather than planning for a new bus route or planning for uh, a new cycle route is that we look at what's the purpose of that route, what is it serving, what are the, what are the modal shares that it needs and not just about the space as well, it's about the time in, in terms of, uh, uh, of that and then obviously servicing and logistics is a key part to it as well. The Green Travel Districts I mentioned is looking at how we can change that locally and then access uh, for the disabilities as well. And taxation. Monitor that. Now, one of the big things that we want to have, obviously make sure is that it's been effective is to monitor what we said we wanted to do when we've done it. Is it actually being effective so that we can continually improve the stuff that we're doing? City centre is a big economic area of activity for Birmingham, so we're doing a, a single master plan for, for that as well. Um, and then also the role of future technology in, in some of this. It supports some of the things like the road space reallocation, how we deal with uh, 
um, low emission zones and so on. And throughout the sort of white paper, uh, it, it does look at what's the role of future technology in delivering on these key aspects as well. These are the cycle routes that we're now starting to construct uh, in Birmingham. Uh, governments have recently announced further funding for cycle ambition, so we're looking at how we can extend this even further and again deal, deal with that inactivity and carbon reduction as well as part of our transport network. 20 mile an hour limits are part of that. This is where we've got the A38, which part in tunnel, part out of tunnel, and that's how we're looking to tra transform that area so it connects that city core and Snow Hill Station, which I mentioned earlier as well. Uh, obviously how we deal with uh, Curzon Street, which is the high-speed rail station in the city centre, how we have that multimodal integration through the tram network, station over the top, and also the bus network and, and another arrival. Uh, so, you know, linking in taxis, uh, which is part of it as well. Green travel districts, and that's what we're already doing.